0: in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today.
1: You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with L.D., Will the Thrill, and T.J. Two
2: hey guys welcome to rock and roll heaven the podcast where we talk about the lives careers and deaths of famous musicians i am your host LD, along with me for the ride as always is mr will
3: the thrill greetings and salutations And what do you today? Again, this comes to you from our friends at the Belching Beaver Brewery. You didn't laugh. (laughs) I'm tired. Um, (laughs) Just to be be clear, folks, we're not sponsored by Belching Beaver or any Uh beer that we consume, uh but we do share them with you. And uh, Belching Beaver, if you want to reach out, we're here. Yeah they have provided me today with the digital bath. They didn't
2: provide you. You bought it yourself. That is literally, you just got done saying we're not sponsored. Yes. And then you're like, they gave me this beer. Well, no, what happened was they
3: they made the beer. They put it in a can. They shipped it to a store where I gave the store money and I got the beer. Okay. And it is the digital bath (laughs) IPA. Excellent.
2: All right. And then today for the first time in 492 episodes, we have our storyteller, oh. Mr. TJ2, the deuce. Oh, that was, money. that
4: was good. That was money. Oh, yeah. Yes.
5: First of all, Will, uh, uh, hat tip, sir. That sounded like you were cracking walnuts with ski boots when you opened yours.
3: <laughs> it was crisp. Yes, I enjoyed it. Mm. What have you? I
5: am I'm enjoying, uh, let's see, what am I having? I Bleed Orange by RJ Rockers. A session Ale. I think with blood orange in it, I bleed orange is a common um, line that Clemson fans say. They bleed orange. So this is, it's sort of Clemson orange colored. The can is orange and purple. So Clemson colors, but it's quite tasty.
3: Hmm. RJ Rockers does, does good work.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm. Right down the road in Spartanburg, South Carolina. All right. So
2: just out of curiosity, Mr. T, we are actually recording this uh, fairly early. And ya, and that is... Uh, that's probably good for you so you have like time to sleep and stuff but um mm-hmm. you know big question is who are we going to be talking about i mean we just we just got off the michael train 46 I think people are
5: going to find it hard to believe that my answer isn't michael jackson <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is i haven't taken lead on a, a series in six months <laughs> <laughs> literally the last time I, I i took lead on one i was wrapping up uh part five of tom petty <laughs> on my vacation in august <laughs> okay we had to yeah. jim croce opus right and then yep we had jim croce and that 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 we have I, th- I think we had some off weeks because of some technical problems and some slap nuts episodes thrown in there that stretched that out and then yeah we just finished the 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 crushing <laughs> 387 part magnum opus on uh, michael jackson including you know how often the day he pooped and um <laughs> Like there was literally no stone un- left unturned. That was uh, extremely detailed and very well done, uh, LD. I would, I would thank also. you. Bravo, Bravo. Thank for you for all of our teasing you. I mean, it's justified <laughs> for <sure. And laughs> The teasing is very justified, but no, and it was, a really good, it, was a, it was an excellent series, though.
3: Oh, the water bottle's back. Oh man, I thought we were getting rid of that after the Michael series. Nope. All right, guess so, so,
5: what we're so uh, yes, and we are moving on. And this represents my final pick in our initial heavy hitters draft. Yes. We did did four picks. I've already knocked my other three out. So this is my last one. And God, this is going to seem so piddly and nothing compared to the 1,239 parts on Michael Jackson's early life. Because this is only three parts. (laughs) I am such a
2: slacker. And then just so everybody knows what else is coming up. Will, you have, coming up in just a couple weeks, you have... Uh, That's my final heavy hitter, Lane Staley. And then I have my final heavy hitter, which is Steven Sondheim. So uh, both should be relatively uh, reasonable. I will say reasonable amount of episodes. So, you know, uh, just look forward to that. And then we'll actually start our new draft picks which i don't think any of us kind of want to blow our lead on what is what do we like we don't want to come out the gate i can tell you guys one thing it's not going to be prince prince will not be first right i don't want to read another book for a while i'm going to enjoy the next six or so weeks
5: right (laughs) Uh, well but what, what we're doing uh Today and starting is our series on the late, great Tammy Wynette. Ooh. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be The good. first lady of country music. And a and couple, couple of things are different about this one from my perspective. One, I've had a tendency to tackle people who have lots of slap nuts, wackadoo, good time, fun stuff to share with you. I mean, we have, I've done John Bonham pooping in women's <laughs> purses. I've done Rick James smoking crack that he pooped out of his own butt. So my, there's lots of poop. Just if you want to get down to it, there's poop and cocaine and ferrets and penises coming out of walls and tennis rackets and all kinds hey, of hey, hey Hey Hey. Those
2: penises in the walls were
5: mine. Alrighty. Uh, there you I also it. had
2: the devil in
3: the swimming pool. <laughs> That's right. Wall wall wieners. Wall penis. And and satanic pools. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which is
2: uh my, my new band name. Write that down. Wall wieners and satanic pools. Wall penises. Oh, wall penises, I'm sorry. And satanic um, pools. So
5: but so I have to be honest with you. Um not not a lot of slap nuts. In, in these uh, three episodes on uh, tammy do it we may one? not be it might not be quite as sad as our jim croce series but it's pretty dang close do we um, need a warning on this one are there some triggers here i don't read? think we need one on this one we will on parts two and three though yeah gotcha. also this is going to be the deepest dig we've done into hardcore country in quite a while i'm i'm excited for this you know we did single episodes on john prine and joe diffie those are the only country artists we've really tackled since will and i joined the the show full-time so true so this will be interesting and I suppose without further ado we will jump right into it in a lot of ways the life of Tammy Wynette was a country song there was a dirt poor upbringing tragedy in an early age hard work multiple marriages hungry children struggle pain abuse and even a few gallons of bootleg liquor thrown in for good measure Hmm. in fact Tammy said that you had to live country songs to sing them and her life mirrored many of her own hits she went through divorce on four occasions she had elusive dreams that she achieved and at a young age her family thought that she was in fact a good girl gone bad Mm -hmm. however the song she has best known for is not autobiographical, at least not in the way that many people think. Many make the mistake of thinking that Stand By Your Man is an anthem of subservience and weakness, and they attach those traits to Tammy Wynette. But we hope that by the time we're done with this series, you'll realize that Tammy Wynette was anything but. So, Virginia Wynette Pugh was born on May fifth, nineteen 1942, near the small town of Tremont in Itawamba County, Mississippi. That means her birth was separated by two years and a few thousand miles from that of Manfred Lubowitz, better known by a stage name, Manfred Mann of Manfred Mann's Earth. Oh! Mann. Um, I'll let one of you do it. All right.
2: Um, I, can, can I? I, I I've, I've sure. A, ladies and gentlemen, the Manfred Mann's federally mandated reference of the podcast has been
5: satisfied. Oh, satisfied. Was that, was Is that, that okay? the earliest we've ever dropped a Manfred Man on people? Or? Yeah,
2: I mean, we did a pretty easy-peasy when we talked about Toto in the mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. But I think that came on, like, third page.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the federally mandated Manfred Fans reference of the podcast has been satisfied.
5: And and it's and good to just know. do it. Fr- frankly, if we didn't do that at the outset of, the, uh, of this one, it would seem really out of place to do something silly. I'm just going to be honest with you, because we get into heavy stuff real quick.
2: I mean, I, think, I mean, yeah, I think you win the award for that. So, yeah,
3: bravo! Yeah, the, the runner-up okay. of the, our series on Neil Peart, where Rush performed with Uriah Heep and Man for Man, but that was a few pages in. So. Yeah, I was like,
2: right. like literally, my my, I think Toto, my mention of Toto in episode nine or ten of Michael Jackson came on like page three or four. Oh, no, I, I would have, to, I would 30 have
5: 30. to go check our bibliography <laughs> <laughs> on Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> com- the, <laughs> compa- the companion. of Glossary that we published along with it. <laughs> don't tell
2: people that; they'll go looking for it.
5: <laughs> um, I
2: have something else I have to write. I don't want to do that.
5: That's, but anyway, so she actually was not uh, her given name is not what everyone calls her. It was Virginia Winette Pew. She was huh. the only child of William Hollis Pew and Mildred Fay Nay Russell. The family lived and worked on a large plot of farmland owned by Tammy's grandfather where they cropped cotton, corn, and other crops, along with raising animals. Winnette recounted later that when her family would go to town to shop, they would usually only return with coffee and sugar, since they raised or grew everything else that they needed to survive on their own farm.
3: Hmm.
5: Now, William was a musician and was apparently a natural one. As a family member recalled in a BBC documentary called The Tammy Winnette Story, that he never had lessons of any kind, yet he was a good singer, he was more than proficient on the guitar, mandolin, and the piano. He sat at the latter of those instruments with his then nine-month-old daughter, putting her tiny fingers on the keys and pressing them. Now, you might have noticed that I said that she was an only child. And you're thinking, wow, that was kind of an oddity in the 1940s, especially in the, in the deep rural south on, on farmland where children essentially provided free labor. And so, the, yeah, that was a rarity at the time. And the family may have intended to have more children, but that wasn't possible, unfortunately. When William put his daughter's tiny fingers on those piano keys, he was doing so purely from muscle memory because he was completely blind by that time. Oh, wow. Wow. William had been diagnosed with a brain tumor that had already robbed him of his sight. And with it being the early 40s, treatment was primitive at best and non-existent at worst. Just two weeks after sitting his daughter on his lap on that piano bench, William died. He was 26 years old. Wow. Even though she wasn't old enough at the the time to have any recollection of her father whatsoever, his death still had a long-lasting impact on Winnette, as most of her relatives called her at the time. They called her Winnette. Her daughter, Jackie, said she believed that one of the reasons her mother ultimately married so many times in the course of her life was that, quote, she never found happiness and was, quote, looking for the support she would have gotten from her father. Now, at the point that William passed away, World War II was still raging, and her mother, who worked in the fields and was a substitute teacher, actually relocated to Memphis to work in a munitions factory. So Wynnette was raised, for the most part, by her grandparents, for a while. She did see to it that one of her husband's final wishes was honored, however. He reportedly said, quote, if she has any talent at all, see that she gets lessons. That was one of the last things that her father said.
3: Wow.
5: Her mother would send enough money home for Wynette to begin doing just that. At a very young age, she began taking piano lessons, but her aunt, Hazel Hall, said that the instructor told the family they were wasting their money, though he did not say that because she demonstrated a lack of interest or any ineptitude. He reported that he could play her a song once, and that by the time she would leave her lesson for the day, she could already play it back to him. Oh, wow. Just uh, nat- natural, God-given talent. I, I don't know. It's a phenom. Female- level yes Fino, if you can pick up if you're a kid and you can and, and, a, and a, a piano instructor says all right well we're going to teach you this little piece today and they play it once and you're like okay and you play it back to them oh, what else you got that's
2: almost that's almost like savant level yeah. just being mm-hmm. to listen to it one time and then take everything in and organize it in your brain that you could do that that is there's only a handful
5: of people that i think can do that and she's sure. <sighs> 10 not, uh, even. not even no she, she's like five or six and oh, doing this. Oh, wow. Her aunt said, quote, she's just a musician like her daddy. Mm. She also learned to play the guitar and the accordion. <laughs> she would often perform in local talent shows, though her aunt recalls that she never actually won any of them, which is funny. Who won these things? Right. Well, didn't didn't once upon a time Dolly Parton enter a Dolly Parton look like contest and lose? Uh tra- I
2: know Charlie Chaplin did. But I okay. don't Adele, was, I think that... uh, No Adele. No, that was a joke.
5: No joke okay. That was a
3: joke. Yeah, she didn't. I yeah, I don't. I don't uh, know who. I
5: don't. I don't know who was winning uh, all these talent contests in Itawamba <laughs> County, Mississippi, in the 1940s. But... Probably not. No. Yeah. Must have been a hotbed of musical talent. Wynette would uh, also stand on benches and sing at school, and would reportedly be really disappointed if anybody walked away or didn't listen to her. Hmm. Sounds like somebody I know. Not naming any names. Is it me? It's a female that participates in this podcast. Wait, Uh, wait wait Wait, what did I do? You would put on shows for people, and if they didn't pay attention to you, you would get really (laughs) upset.
2: I (laughs) mean, it's
3: a giggling hillbilly. That's who it is.
2: Here's Mm -hmm. the thing. Here's the thing. All right, Uh, that was instilled in me from my mother. Mm -hmm. So you know, I had nothing to do with it. My mother was a much tamer version of Joe Jackson, who would actually teach me these things. Oh wow. So, you yeah, know, she's a tamer version of Joe Jackson. She wanted me to be in the entertainment. Mom told me literally, I said, I wanted to be a forensic photographer. And she told me that I should grow up, quit dreaming I was an actress. So I right. told my mom I wanted to be. You know, that science stuff.
5: I wanted to be our, a our, scientist. Our mother, our, mother was, our mother was just like Joe Jackson, except for the savage beatings and the multiple side pieces. Yes. that. Other than that, spinning image. I mean, in every way.
2: Yeah. Also, mom had better hair.
5: And much okay. better hair. Um, now, like like many musicians, uh, Wynette's first real formal public performances actually came in church where she would sing hymns. The preacher of the Baptist church that the family attended had a local radio program and would occasionally have Wynette on to sing. It was the first, but far from the last time that Wynette's voice would be heard on the radio.
2: Can life. I ask something, T? Sure. You're calling her Winnette.
5: That's what her family called her at the time. Yeah. So it, so her, it's, her, actual real, her given, her given name is Virginia Wynette Pugh and her family called her Wynette or Wynette, I guess, depending on however you want to say it, but yeah, that's what
2: they actually the called wrong her. Wrong Y. Okay. Okay. I was just wondering, cause I'm like, it was hitting me and I'm like, Wynette, are they, is it? Cause Wynette almost sounds like a first name.
5: That's what they called her. Yeah. Her huh. family called her Wynette or, or, I mean, it's Mississippi, it's rural Mississippi in the 1940s. So probably Wynette. I'm guessing. Yeah. But that, that's just, that's what they called. They didn't call her, by, didn't call her Virginia, huh, which is her actual given first name.
2: Wait, her name was Virginia, raised in Mississippi, making it big in Tennessee?
5: Eventually, yeah.
4: <laughs> I'll shut up.
5: <sighs> she loved hymns and gospel music, and she would include those in her concerts for the duration of her career, by the way. But her heart really belonged to country. She would listen to Skeeter Davis and Hank Williams for hours. And per A and E's biography on Winnette, she listened to Williams' standard No One Will Ever Know over and over on a tiny record player once the family actually had electricity in their hands. Her grandmother warned her though that if she wore that record out, she would not be getting another one. But she Uh kept playing it over and over anyway. Uh That little record player was one of the only luxuries, if you even want to call it that, that the family had. At that point, they did not have running water. The house they lived in lacked indoor plumbing, and they had no electricity until Wynnette was six.
2: Now, do you remember Grandma's house she grew up in?
5: The one that was like overrun with silverfish and oh, geez. I yeah. think they bathed in a they bathed in a creek and like pooped in a bush or something.
2: Yeah, no. So, where is it? That's in Devil's Creek, South Carolina. Is it? Devil's it was creek? in
5: like the dark, It was like in, it was it was in one of two or three places called the called Dark Corner down in Fairfield, I think. Yeah,
2: Dark Corner. She took me out there one time, even at like age 10. I'm like, I'm going to get tetanus. This place, this is, it never, it was never fitted for electricity. It had a basin sink, which if you turn the thing, it would give brown water. And that was brand new. Like that, that, that had been dropped in. I'm wondering if that house still exists now. And if you're naming,
3: if you're naming a municipality, dark corner, what are you expecting? (laughs) Right. You're kind of
5: shooting uh, a low low bar there. Yeah. Damn it, dark corner, um, it'll be great. No. Sure. Now, everybody, including Wynette, had to pitch in doing farm work. When she was about nine years old, Wynette said her grandmother presented her with one of two options. Quote, stay at home and cook for the farm hands or either going to the fields and working myself, she said in the BBC documentary. She actually opted for the latter. Wow. Right? Spending her days picking cotton, which if you think about it, She's already, and she's going to do this a lot of times in the course of her life, she's already kind of thumbing her nose at convention because, well, she's a nine-year-old girl. Of course, she's going to go in there and cook. It's Mm -hmm. like, nah, she went out in the fields and picked cotton. The day began at about 4 a.m. when the family would rise and cook their supper. They would take a snack of some kind, usually biscuits and ham, into the fields and begin work before sunrise. The work would continue until after sundown. Her aunt recollected that she was perhaps not the most diligent field worker, but at nine, she was still out there with the other farmhands. Physically, she was in the sweltering hot Mississippi cotton fields carrying a heavy sack over her shoulder, but even then, she had aspirations of being a star.
2: Oh, T, can I I interject? Sure. Now, you mentioned about the supper, about how you would make supper very weird thing that has settled in my brain is the fact that we didn't used to have the eight hours direct sleep patterns that we have now, mm-hmm. like our, our circadian rhythm has shifted. And so prior to uh, having electricity, we would actually as a human race sleep for two to four hours yeah, and then get up and work. And then you sleep for another two to four hours and then you go, you know, wake well, up and work. And so I could kind of understand how that would they be would, supper.
5: Sure. They would get up around three or four o'clock. They would cook. And basically they would, they would get up and cook. And I guess just sort of put, well, they didn't have a refrigerator because they didn't have electricity. But they would kind of put that wherever you'd put your leftovers. They would take some of it with them to eat in the fields. And then they would eat the rest, I guess, when they got back. Yeah. But, but you're talking about they're leaving the house at four o'clock and they're not getting back until it's dark. That's insane. Jeez. Uh, she said, quote, I used to dream about singing. That was how she would help pass the cotton, the cotton picking time by daydreaming about music, often while literally praying for rain. Once she started school, Wynette not only continued to pursue music, she also became involved in athletics. And I think this qualifies as a fun fact.
4: Fun, fun fact!
5: Fun. Wynette was an all-star basketball player in her early high school years.
3: Jesus. How about that? Is there anything she
5: doesn't do? The only problem was that her grandfather took a very dim view of the uniforms that the girls wore at the time, deeming them too skimpy and indecent. Got it. Yeah. I wish her grandpa was alive now to see volleyball. Uh, Yeah. Much more (laughs) skimpy and indecent, I'd imagine. Considerably more. So he made her play the sport wearing long pants. Tammy begged him to allow her to wear the same uniform as her teammates, And he only relented when elastic was sewn around the leg openings on Winette's shorts so that they fit more snugly.
2: Oh, wow.
5: How did you move at all? (laughs) It's well, you know, the thing is, you're probably talking about old girls half court basketball at the time. So you didn't actually move a whole lot. You know, you didn't cross half court for one thing. There was a center, if, you, if, if people who aren't familiar with this, they, there was a, quote, center, who literally stood in the center of the court. That's where that, the, 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 that name for that position comes from. You had two, quote, guards who only played defense on one side of the of the court and never came across midcourt. And then you had the, quote, two forwards who played offense, and they could not cross midcourt. That's, that was old-timey girls' half-court basketball. It was really weird. You could only dribble twice, and then you either had to shoot or pass.
3: Got, it, Got
5: okay. it. It was really, yeah. It was. It was because you couldn't have those the little darlings out there hurting themselves <laughs> or
4: whatever. But
2: it,
5: but it was but it was totally fine for her to lug around a a, a a sack that probably weighed more than she did in a cotton field in the summertime in Mississippi. Yeah, for, for yes, fourteen but, hours. But yeah. if she
2: played wrong and she hurt herself, that can hurt her childbearing
5: hips. Right, right. Her birthing hips can't have her yeah. dislocating the birthing hip. Jesus. Even when she was a child, Wynette demonstrated many of the tendencies that would become signature parts of her personality later in life. Wynette was apparently, even from an early age, a headstrong girl and one that butted heads with her grandmother, who was apparently a pretty stern woman. Wynette's mother moved back and eventually remarried. And Wynette's daughter, Jackie, described her as, quote, hard and said that she and her siblings were actually afraid of her when they were kids. Hmm. Wynette, however, was rambunctious, she was restless, and often unhappy, things that will become recurring themes as we move forward in this series. Even though the family was dirt poor, she liked to shop. Reportedly, the family was once upon a time rushing to a hospital after one of her aunts was injured and disfigured in an accident. Whoa! The path to the hospital passed a store that had a really pretty purple dress in the window, and a young Wynette carried on about wanting the dress so much and for so long and to such a degree, her grandfather, whom she called Daddy, relented, turned around, and went back to the store and bought the dress before they went to the hospital to see their aunt. Okay, that, that's on the grandfather at that point. I'm sorry. At, at a certain point, you gotta you yeah. got to tell the granddaughter no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, later in life, before shows in pretty much any town, Winnette would hit the local malls. Her friend, Jackie Dew said, quote, she could scout out and go through a mall like a vacuum cleaner. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Tammy and her mother butted heads to a tremendous degree once Tammy started dating. At 16, she dated mostly in secret a boy named Billy Cole, who was the son of a local minister. She and her mother fought over that for so long and so fiercely that when and Cole made plans to elope, but they made the mistake of telling a bunch of their friends, word got back to her mother and the wedding was off. Now, if her mother had a problem with her dating the son of a preacher, you can imagine her reaction when Winnette began a relationship with a fellow named Youpal Bird. Having just gotten out of the army, he was actually five years older than the then 16 year old Wynette. When she was 17 years old, only a few months away from her high school graduation and fresh off of having been named Miss Tremont High, Wynette and Bird eloped and moved to Alabama. largely to get away from her mother and perhaps some theorize as an act of defiance wow six months after the couple wed they had their first child that being daughter Gwendolyn the family lived in what I'm going to charitably call a shack (laughs) one one that lacked running water electricity indoor toilets heating or air conditioning of any kind and was insulated with cardboard wow basically a bunch of walls and a roof so kind of yeah, yeah. And, and with, with the, the only insulation from like the the cold wind and stuff was pieces of cardboard that she tacked up to cover up the big cracks between the slats.
2: So like a porta potty without the
5: toilet. Yeah, right. Pre- yes, thank you. It yeah. sounds like a porta potty would have better insulation now. Yes, yeah. um, and she she had to cook all of their meals in a fireplace because they didn't have a stove. Oh wow! Now. You worked work construction, but not regularly and not for very long. He, in fact, had trouble holding down steady employment of any kind. So to make extra money, he ran bootleg liquor. Of course. Now, I took that at first to mean that he ran shine, but I think they lived in Alabama. I think the entire state of Alabama was dry at that point. I mean, you're talking about the late 50s. So I think any, I think any booze was bootleg. I mean, if, even if you just had beer, it was bootleg alcohol because it was illegal to have it at that point.
2: Interesting.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Even though she had a young child to care for, Wynette had to work as well, laboring as a waitress, a receptionist, and as a worker in a shoe factory. In 1962, not yet 20 years old, Wynette and Youple had their second daughter, that being Jackie. the marriage wasn't good though with the two frequently fighting and money extremely tight she often threatened to leave her husband and eventually she did moving back to mississippi and borrowing money from her mother to go back to school and study cosmetology earning a beautician's license that plays a much bigger role going forward than most people realize so store that nugget away for right now
3: she's had every job on the planet at this point Uh, yeah and she's
5: 19 yes (laughs) right wow um her marriage was on again, off again for a time. And while it was, quote, on again, Wynnette became pregnant with her third child.
3: Woof-ah.
5: They moved to Memphis, Tennessee and lived in a cheap apartment that can best be described as seedy. <laughs> there, Winnette began working as a barmaid. Interestingly, given her religious upbringing and where she was from, she had never set foot in a bar in her life until she worked in I can be jarring. A husband and wife owned the bar, and they allowed Wynette to sing for customers, marking the first time that she performed for an audience outside the confines of a church. By this time, Wynette's first musical love, Hank Williams, had been dead for nine years. But people like Johnny Cash, Loretta Lynn, Ray Price, Buck Owens, Marty Robbins, Patsy Cline, and others had become huge stars.
2: Anybody that we when, know of?
5: I'm going to keep reading. It's just a, an, a list of obscure and forgotten country artists of from the last century i don't know buck yeah. owens who is this yeah. patsy klein used cat this mm. Lynn lady and this cash man i don't know yeah. somebody yeah uh when that's favorite artist though one that she was said to idolize was somebody else it was an artist that had one of the biggest hits of the year with she thinks i still care that was a fellow named george jones yeah One relative said that once Jones came on the scene, there was no other country singer in Wynette's mind. Mm. She actually liked to imagine that she'd get to sing with him one day. Mm. And this children is what we call foreshadowing, but we'll get there later. (laughs) The marriage uh, between she and Youpal, which had never been good to start with, got even worse and Wynette, still pregnant with child number three, told Youpal that she wanted a divorce. But all the strain of work, children, and her marriage, turning sour, took an extreme toll on her. For one thing, her children believed that she suffered from depression that would only get worse as time carried on. She was worn out and she was dealing with guilt. She had been raised to think, and she believed herself, that marriage should be a lifelong endeavor. Her mother actually saw divorce as sinful. All that unfortunately boiled over. At some point, Wynnette thought that she saw a dead body in her attic. She panicked, put her kids in a car, and drove around aimlessly in Memphis for hours. According to the BBC documentary that I've already referenced, she was hospitalized and underwent 12 rounds of shock treatment as a result.
2: Ooh. Here's the thing. Apparently, they still do shock treatments to this day. Which
5: really? Me,
3: yeah.
2: yeah, but I think in certain cases it does work. So like, yeah, it was much more prevalent in like the like the 50s and the 60s. Like post World War II, it really kind of found its footing, and in fact, I think that um, Jack Kennedy's sister Rose Kennedy ended up yep. going, undergoing shock treatment. You are uh, correct before getting a full lobotomy. And also, if you you know going back to uh, the Wizard of Oz, which we were talking about in episode, f- I'll throw out a number five <laughs> of the of Michael Jackson's life, where he did the Wiz. There was a, a sequel to that called Return to Oz. <laughs> which actually shows a pretty graphic scene of Feruzabal's Balk's character yep. getting shock treatment. So like, it's not it's not used as prevalent as it used to be, but I do believe they still to this day use it in certain cases.
3: Yeah, there yeah. was a thing they just That's did. The, they were like you're weird, shock no, treatment. But Carrie yeah. Fisher even she underwent it, yeah. even
2: underwent shock treatment mm-hmm. and she if I remember correctly in her book Shockaholic,
5: she actually praised it because I think it did help her. Yeah. So, I, I want to say, did, did Eric Clapton not undergo it to deal with heroin addiction? He might have. I don't. I, I, think, I think I'm think i right on that. We could we could double check, but I, I think that's correct. Yeah. Um,
0: hey, TJ, I hate to interrupt you, but we do need to take a short
5: sponsor break.
0: That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. And we are back.
5: All right. Thank you, LD. Let's get back now into the life and times of the late great Tammy Wynette. So she she went through 12 rounds of shock treatment. She also made good on her promise to leave Eupel. Now, as she walked out the door with the children, Her soon-to-be first ex-husband, knowing of her singing aspirations, said, quote, dream on, baby, which was a saying that he often used to deride her dreams of stardom. Many years later, when he made it big, he came to one of her concerts and asked her for an autograph, and she obliged him writing, dream on, baby, on it. That's funny.
2: Well, I would have said, you have it on the divorce papers.
5: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he ended up coming to one of her concerts once she made it big, stood in line, asked for an autograph and she signed a picture of herself to her ex-husband with dream on baby Tammy Wynette.
3: That's hilarious. What
5: a dick. So she moved with her two daughters to Montgomery Alabama to be near her grandparents but apparently Julie didn't want her mom to know about the situation she found herself in. She did speak to her aunt who expressed disbelief that Wynette with two kids in tow and another on the way would leave her husband. Quote yes I did and don't you try to talk me out of it she said. What she was doing was largely unheard of. Unless they were widowed, there just were not a lot of single moms in that part of the country at that point in time. That just that was just not done. No. Because a lot of people, like Tammy's mother, saw divorce as sinful. You didn't get divorced. It didn't matter how bad it was. You know? So, that, so you're already kind of starting to see that Tammy does not follow a lot of the conventions of society. I mean, she's already she bucked it by at at 9 years old by saying no no I'm not going to cook because I'm a girl I'm going to go work in the cotton fields and now here she is two kids and one on the way she leaves her husband so yeah, this her. is
2: I dig her she's bucking the system dude
5: mm-hmm. t- t- tremendously so her third daughter Tina was born prematurely contracted spinal meningitis and almost oh, died geez. jeez now she survived and I, and I, I didn't write it down, but I think she did something like three weeks in, in basically like solitaire in, in a room, but like com- almost completely by herself.
2: Now, if, question, I, if I
5: remember correctly, she, did she was I, quarantined.
2: Did I have spiral meningitis? Because I remember my, like, I don't remember the actual
5: attack. I don't think it was that you had something, and I don't remember what it was, but she ended up having to be quarantined basically for like three weeks. And you're talking about a newborn infant, who, who one that was premature, by the way. Oh,
2: geez. Um,
5: now, the, her daughter, Tina, did survive, uh, but okay. her mother was left holding a $6,000 hospital bill that she had no ability to pay.
2: Okay, hang on. What year is this?
5: This is um, early 60s. Okay, we're
2: going to just call it 1961. But-
5: about 60, uh, she's probably about 62 by this time. I'm thinking 62, oh, 63, somewhere this
2: point. $6,000? No. And how much is it? It was $6,000 uh, in nineteen. A
3: little over $55,000. Yeah, today's came
2: payment for a house or a luxury car. Yep,
5: yes. Grand. It sure is. Good grief. Wow. Now, Wynette had, as we mentioned, Uh, sung on the radio show of a Baptist preacher as a kid, but she was about to jump to another newer medium. One of the most popular shows on local TV then was a music variety and talk show called The Country Boy Eddie Show, starring Eddie Burns. The show started at five o'clock each morning and Burns recollected sitting in a coffee shop at about 4.30 prior to going on the air one day. A thin blonde woman walked in, introduced herself and asked if she could audition for a show. That woman was Wynette quote i said sure i'd be glad for you to audition i got my guitar and she sang me some songs and i said my goodness you'll be welcome to be on my show from now on if you like that's terrific so Wynnette would be a very regular guest and would usually sing popular country songs of the day because she didn't have any of her own at this point burns said he would get hundreds of letters telling him that he should let wynnette sing more but she really couldn't she'd make some extra money appearing on tv i think it was about 30 bucks a week but after singing on the show Each morning, she had to leave at 7 a.m. to head to the salon where she would fix hair all day. (laughs) Now, Wynette claimed that she didn't have the best voice, but she did have the loudest. She may not have had a massive range, but I think it's undeniable that there are few singers that have ever had the ability to emote the way that she did. By the end of her career, a swath of musicians, including Emmylou Harris, Elvis Costello, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, Sting, Fitzgill, Elton John, Toby Keith, Trisha Yearwood, and many, many others would talk about the almost audible tear that is present in her voice. Keith Urban said it was actually the perfect blend of strength and vulnerability, and Billy Bob Thornton described the voice as being like that of a caged bird, so beautiful yet so pained that it's actually hard to listen to. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to hear for the first time her singing voice right now. This is our first musical break of the episode, but it's not a very long one. This is the oldest known recording of Wynette. This snippet was featured in the BBC documentary that I've already already referenced a couple of times. This is a small piece of a song called Sing Me a Lungsome Song. When the sky
4: turns to silver Just before dawn and the night comes to haunt me again.
1: When gone
4: is the memory of a satisfied mind. Sing me a lonesome song.
2: That's it? Yeah. That
5: was the whole thing? So that that's not the whole song, obviously, but that's all of it that I could find. So that's oh. our first time hearing her voice. What do y'all think? It's... It's really solid. It's
2: it's a little bit quiet. So I don't know if that's in like the mix of the recording or whatever, but it's a higher voice, but it's really strong.
5: For sure. Yeah. That's and, the oldest known recording of her voice. And so you, you're not talking about at this point where she's been coached up and working with producers and any of that kind of stuff. That's just her singing just as she sang.
2: Did she have perfect pitch? She must it,
5: have. I, I think it was pretty close. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Just based um, piano yeah, lesson. Sure. Right.
5: Yeah. Uh, now, Wynnette spent a year doing TV work and playing in clubs and bars when she could. A musician and songwriter named David Vest said that he played piano for her at one club where the patrons, all incredibly drunk, wanted her to sing Yellow Submarine for some reason. She didn't want to, but she did. But she asked Vest why the people were so close to her. She didn't like it. In fact, it scared her to death. Aww. She had talent and courage and an incredible drive, but she also had self uh, self doubt and fear. This said that she told him she fantasized about having surgery to have the fear cut out of her, and asked if he thought that she was crazy because of that.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know if it works like that.
5: Yeah, I, I don't think it does. But she she was crippled by by like it, it bothered her that that the people were like a couple of feet away from her, like the intimacy of that or something like bothered her to the point that she didn't want to do it. It scared her. Yeah. Which you think about what she's dealt with in her life and you think like, well, how could that? But, you know, these things don't, there's no way to explain it. Now, she overcame those fears enough to finally head to Nashville in 1996. She and her daughters lived in a $12 a month motel. $12 a month. I bet those were some, I bet bet it was kind of like the trailer park that the Griswold stayed in, in National Lampoon's Vacation.
3: (laughs) Sounds like they definitely have free HBO. That's what.
5: It, you know. Oh, oh, one hundred percent. Phone in room. Yeah, is it where it room. says color TV with HBO? Actually, <laughs> phone in room. They don't, and we'll get there in a minute. Hang no. on. Huh. Um. She and her three children subsisted on a diet of pinto beans and cornbread at that point. Wow. She, she went around and pitched herself to pretty much every label in town. Quote, I went from one place to the other asking people to listen to me. I didn't have any tapes. I just used a piano or a guitar. I just went around singing and kept hearing no, 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 Winnette said. Now, she may not have realized it initially, but Winnette was fighting a tremendous uphill battle. At that point, most labels only had one female artist each, and they referred to them as girl singers. Radio stations didn't play them often, and they never played female artists back to back on the road women were opening acts only for their male counterparts and on tv they almost always played second fiddle still she tried and she tried running out of options and almost out of money at this point when went to one of the last labels that she had not yet visited that being epic records hmm. apparently the secretary had stepped out of the office so she strode right into the office of producer billy sherrill yeah he He asked her what she wanted, and she said, quote, a record deal. He sized her up as being a skinny, pale, but pretty young woman, but one who looked a little bit worn and weary despite still being very young. Intrigued, he asked her if she had any demo tapes, but she had none, of course, so she sang for him right there in the office. Now, two different documentaries I watched painted two slightly different pictures. One said that she sang for him. He was knocked out by her voice told her he didn't like the song that she sang, telling her to return when she had a better one. Within a week, she came back with one that he liked better. The other version is that he was floored by her singing, told her they had to find her the right song, and that he called her a week or so later after having found one he deemed acceptable. Now, it's worth noting that Cheryl telling Wynette he'd call her presented a little bit of a problem because she didn't have a phone. <laughs> Believe it or not, the $12 a month motel they were staying in did not feature a phone in room. No phone in room. Wow. <laughs> so, she gave him the number of her landlord and begged the landlord to alert her if a call came in, she didn't want Cheryl to know that she was so broke and destitute that she didn't even have a phone of her own. Oh, wow. Whatever happened, Cheryl saw and heard something he liked, but there was something he didn't like, that being the name Virginia Winnett Bird. Quote, you don't look like a Virginia, he told her. Now, Wynnette was blonde at this point and had her hair in a ponytail when she went in to see Cheryl, so... He thought that she looked like Debbie Reynolds in the Tammy and the Bachelor movie. So she left his office with a record deal and a new name, that being Tammy Wynette. Nice. When they went to record that very first song, Cheryl said, quote, when I heard the first thing come out of her mouth, I thought, God, we've got something here. Mm -hmm. The great country music historian and journalist Robert K. Orman noted that in the song, from Tammy's very first professional recording session, by the way, She demonstrated perfect phrasing, delivery, and she harmonized with herself beautifully. She was a fully realized singer right out of the gate. The song she recorded was actually written by Fern Foley, Fuzzy Owen, and Johnny Paycheck. It had been a hit for Bobby Austin and would be a bit of one for Tammy as well, so we're going to hear it right now. This was her first ever proper single, one that reached number 44 on the Billboard country charts. This is Tammy Wynette with Apartment Number 9. All right.
4: Just follow the stairway To this lonely world of mine. You'll find me waiting here In apartment number nine Not so very long ago You walked away from me, and after all the plans we made, you decided to be free. Loneliness surrounds me without. In this lonely room Just in case you change your mind You'll find me waiting here In apartment number nine Loneliness, surprise Number nine. No, the sun will never shine in apartment number
5: nine. And we're back. All right. So that was Tammy Wynette with her first ever single from her first ever professional recording session, Apartment Number Nine. What'd you think?
2: I loved it. I thought it was well crafted and she has an incredible voice.
3: Yeah. So often we we play our artists, especially in these heavy hitter series, and their early stuff were like, eh, hey, well, they haven't gotten there yet. You know, no, she's, no, she's you know, there. Fully out. She was there.
2: She is the Venus yeah. de Milo mm-hmm. of country music, just spring yes. out, like, fully formed. Wow.
5: Like quite literally from the jump. That's Tammy. All right. I mean, the voice, if, even though if you've never heard the song before, I could still play it for you. And about, about one line in, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, Tammy went it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, that's right. <laughs> pretty much
3: the earthy lows and the airy highs it's just such a a separation it's almost like two different singers it's amazing
5: almost yeah it really does you're right um now that song was very well received loretta lynn said the minute she heard it she knew that tammy was going to be a star Hmm. Uh, artist Alison Moore in the aforementioned bbc documentary said that that remains perhaps her favorite song of tammy's stella parton said that tammy's voice really jumped out at her the first time she ever heard it
2: Huh, huh. Yeah, I happen to,
5: no Stella. (laughs) Yes, you do. You That's right, I forgot that you do.
2: Yes, I have, uh she actually tapped me to try to write her movie because she has a book out and it is, uh it was a great book about kind of her path and her story. So the the book that she wrote was called Tell It, Sister Tell It. And uh, that's kind of about her path and her life in the spotlight kind of devoid of dolly uh and actually stella's put out a couple albums of her own and they are they're incredible
5: siblings and and uh, sadly her you know her brother randy passed away this past year but her siblings are very talented yeah i mean the whole family they're not not dolly but who is like literally (laughs) in the history of the planet (laughs) (laughs) except for dolly that's about it yep That's pretty much the the list. Now, Tammy couldn't have known it, but her idol became a fan the first time that he heard apartment number nine saying Tammy's voice was different from anyone else's and it displayed a lot of heart and soul. The great George Jones would end up being more than a fan of Tammy's, but we'll get there in part two. Mm. Now, as Tammy hit the road for the first time, she did so in a cheap bus that she bought that had no heat. She actually taped the window shut to keep the cold air out. When does
2: she get heat? I am invested in her having... I'm water. I, am
5: I am fascinated by the lack of HVAC in this woman's life.
2: <laughs> like, yes, all well and good that she's a singer, but when does she get running water? When, when
5: does she get running water? When, she, when can she poop indoors? When is she gonna phone when, in the room? When does she have to stop carrying a, a pistol with her to, to take a dog? <laughs> um, as she did I so... She, as she did so, she did with her three children going along for the ride. They would usually eat on the roadsides, and one of her daughters did apparently ask her at one point why they never got to eat in the same place twice. She wouldn't see her first royalty check from uh, Epic for a full year. She couldn't afford a bus driver, so she handled that duty herself. She was her own bus driver. <laughs> She only had one hit to her credit at that point, so she mostly filled her sets with country standards and often covered songs by the likes of her eventual lifelong friend, Loretta Lynn. Tammy eventually made the decision to have relatives keep her daughters, but she wouldn't go in alone for very long. She had befriended a songwriter named Don Chapel, who was making ends meet by working as a motel clerk. The two wed in 1967, although Tammy apparently told many family members and admitted in later interviews that she didn't love him <laughs> so- well there's Uh, that yeah strong and independent as she was many close doors said she wanted to be married she didn't like being alone and felt like she needed to have a man in her life one friend said she seemed to have bad luck with men and that would eventually play itself out with chapel as you'll see later on tammy was going back on the road to start building momentum for her next record but chapel insisted not only on being part of the show but that it be billed as, quote, the Don Chapel and Tammy Winnett Show, even though she was the one with a label deal and a hit record, not him. That didn't go on for too long, though. <laughs> Literally and figuratively, the tables were going to turn very soon. Now, uh, that's actually the end of part one. Aside from the fact that, uh, as per usual, when I take lead on these, I like to have little... Rankings, debates, discussion points, whatever. This one is a pretty easy one, but it might be a thorny and controversial one. I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. I have asked uh, both Will the Thrill and LD, and I'm going to myself come up with our personal Mount Rushmore of female country artists. So, top four ever in the history of the genre.
2: I'm going to be honest with you. I thought Mount Rushmore had
5: 12. So, um... That's actually more than um, the starting offense for a football team. Um, <laughs> there's just four heads up there on Rushmore.
2: Yeah, then I failed at this assignment because I got more than four.
5: Well, I tell you what, I'll, I'll actually go first. Uh, mine's not going to take long because I don't even have to say the last names of the people uh, on the the mountain. As far as I'm concerned, are you ready? Ready. I'll do it. Tammy, Patsy, Dolly, Loretta. I'm done. Uh- well, uh, all right, <laughs> very well. Tammy Winnett, Dolly Parton, Patsy Cline, Loretta Lynn, and I'll tell you why. Now, look, there's, there's a ton of people that you could consider for this, obviously. You could go all the way back to like Mother Maybelle Carter, June Carter, June, and eventually June Carter Cash, Kitty Wells, Reba McIntyre. There, there's, a, there's, a, a there's plenty that deserve to be up there and deserve recognition. I chose those four because the four of them really changed things. For women in general, and for women in country especially, you know, Patsy Cline was a badass. Mm -hmm. That not not only was she picking her songs, but she was not going to be subjugated and put as second bill on, you know, behind some dude just because he was a dude who she had more clout and star power than. And she also had the I believe was was her saying was no no dough no show, yeah, because it was very common back then for club owners almost all of whom were male to either just stiff women in general like not pay them or kind of insist that like they be given certain favors to have them play in their club and patsy did not play that crowd Good girl. so oh. she she was a boss big time and then when you get into like to Tam, uh, to tammy and loretta and dolly all three of them again cast aside the whole thing about women are just window dressing and they're opening for the men, but they also were the first three I can think of that really started writing their own songs and doing everything for themselves. You know, that like, like we're, we're taking complete control of our careers, whether, you know, some dude in a nudie suit likes it or not. Yeah. So the, the strength that, that that all four of those brought to the proceedings along with their talent, their voices, the songs that they cut, their legacies that, that stretch from here to the moon and back. That's why I picked those four. Oh,
3: yeah. All right, Mr. Will. Oh, so I'll follow that up. Uh, first of all, d- does anyone not have Dolly on their list? I mean, let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, Dolly's it's, on my list. Yeah,
5: I feel like Dolly. Mouth, is- mouth-breathing <laughs> chuckleheads.
3: Yeah. Uh, so I do need a, a point of order on this one. And that is, sure. do we consider Bonnie Rate, country? Oof. That's, that's,
5: I already gave I, you my I, answer. I, yeah, because that uh, will, I, will- I, finally- I, I I don't, but it's very close, and I would okay. certainly, I'm, if you put Bonnie Wright on any list, that's good. I'm not really going to argue with
3: you. Okay, so I'll do my my list with a with an asterisk then So my, my first three were a slam dunk: Dolly, Patsy, Reba. I mean, okay, let's be real. Um, if Bonnie Wright is permitted, then I would put Bonnie Wright. If not, okay. I'm on Lucinda Williams.
5: Oh, god i love Lucinda. Oh, okay. she's great.
3: No Lucinda Williams. Okay. Is that your whole list? That's my list. Yeah, because okay. the fourth slot was.
5: I okay. like, I like, and see, the thing is, if you did like a almost like a latter day one,
3: mm-hmm.
5: and it's like, okay, well, the four I did, they're, they're all they began their careers a very long time ago. If you did kind of like one from the 90s on, mine would look very different, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm probably putting Trisha okay. Yearwood on that one because I, her, yeah. she has <laughs> a phenomenal it- voice and tons <laughs> of integrity. Patty Loveless would be on that one stop and 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 so on you're you're (laughs) ruining my list ld have you a list
2: (laughs) (laughs) um all right i actually started my list off with Dottie west okay uh she was one of the most popular country singer songwriters in the 60s fair and i she she was the one that like really put the sequins on the dresses you know what i'm saying uh and then she did a series of duets with kenny rogers which is just like if you do a if you do a duet with Kenny Rogers, you are already in the Pantheon you're for me. <laughs> like you're in. Okay. Next mm-hmm. one was Linda Ronstadt. Oh good one. Uh, oh yeah. Great pick. Which I think we'll actually talk about her when we do our episode on Graham Parsons. So also I, I'm gonna tell ta- like I'm just gonna read you everybody that I picked because it's hard to whittle it down. So I do have Trisha Yearwood out. Okay. Uh because she actually started as a background vocalist and then she took center stage and you know who she's married to
5: and uh, she has and she has more Grammys than her husband. Yeah, her, yes, her shelf yes, is deeper. Yeah. Yes,
2: her shelf is much deeper. And we actually got to see her sing live when we saw her husband in concert. Uh,
5: same, same. It was a very long time ago for me. But yeah, it was 1998. I believe it
2: was like ours was like 2015, I think something like that. Uh, my next one was Barbara Mandrell.
5: Another great. Oh, Barbara. Excuse yep.
2: Me. Yep. Uh, Sleeping single in a double bed is one of oh. the best country songs ever put to tape.
5: Gosh, Fight me. She was, she was country when country wasn't COVID. Cool, yeah. Yep.
2: <laughs> then I have Reba. because yep. <laughs> Reba's been in my life uh, pretty much since day one. Uh,
5: you can make a really strong argument for her on a lot of fronts. You really can. She was, she would be, she, it was really hard to leave her off the of mind, to be honest with you. But, you know, because you look at, what didn't she do Broadway? I think she has
2: done Broadway. She also had like her
5: Annie, get your gun?
2: Yeah, she did. Uh, Annie, get your gun. I missed her when she did Annie, get her gun. I actually got Crystal, oh, I forget what her last name, Crystal Bernard. Bernard.
1: Yes, yeah, some, was she on wings? wings
2: Yes, she played she played Annie Oakley in the Broadway version that I saw. Well, she's but, had a
5: bajillion hits, and she for she was a legit rodeo girl, wasn't she? Growing yes. up at first, and, and, and she's then, also
2: had her own successful TV, TV series as yep. a producer too. On that, that's joke. Yep. Like she is literally the version of a girl boss that you need to be like yep. she took control very early on and never let it go then i also have patsy klein yes dolly pardon and loretta lynn yep. so like my my uh mount rushmore is a little bit bigger than y'all's i'm sorry but like they're like going through that list there's not anyone that i could trim there's no i have
5: 15 thing. tiny faces on my heel <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> very very small faces they're, they're very small but um, um
5: okay i like that that was really good a um, little, little difference of opinion on those and some different ones you know bonnie raid and linda ronstadt some people who were kind of maybe toeing the line a little but both of them were i, I love tremendously so yeah that, that was great yeah well that's all i've got uh aside from uh ld giving out socials to tell us to to, to uh, tell you how you can uh, perhaps weigh in on this if you'd like to
2: all right if you would like to support the show you can do so at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven you can check us out on Twitter at Rock and Roll LT. Our Instagram is Rock and Roll Heaven LT. You check out our Facebook at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. Our website, still not going to say it. I had you there for a second. <laughs> but you can email us at LT at gmail.com. And please make sure to check out all the other Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com. And if I said that too fast, you can check out the show notes. All right. Mr. Hickey, would you like to say goodbye?
3: Thanks, everybody. See you
2: on the next one. All right, you guys check us out next week when we uh, have our second week on Tammy Wynette. But for now, that's a good night from me. And I hand it back over to our ringmaster, TJ. Back to you, T.
5: All right. Hey, well, uh, thanks for joining us for this episode of Rock and Roll Heaven. Uh, This is uh, the first of three parts on the great Tammy Wynette. Now, she had her first chart hit in 1966, but bigger and better things were coming her way. We're going to close this episode of Rock and Roll Heaven with her first single of 1967, one that hit number three on the country charts. Compared with what was to come as this year and others progressed, that would actually be considered a pretty poor showing, as you'll see a little bit later. So we're going to finish up today with Tammy Wynette and Your Good Girl's Gonna Go Bad.
4: I've never seen the inside of a bar room. Or to a jukebox all night long But I see these are the things that bring you pleasure So I'm gonna make some changes in our home I've heard it said If you can't beat them, join them So if that's the way you've wanted me to be I'll change if it takes that to make you happy From now on you're gonna see a different me Because you're good Recognize your wife. I'll buy some brand new clothes and dress up fancy for my journey to the wilder side of life because you're.
5: By now, you know that
3: sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of an LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity, serving up a powerful yet gentle clean in just 29 minutes. Making this the sound of savings on the best appliance brands. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off the LG wash tower with ultra large capacity and reduced wash time. Pricing valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. Gas Director, US only. See store or online for details.
1: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football